0: To first mover presented by Underdog Fantasy. Speaking of Underdog Fantasy, if you still haven't signed up, I mean, what the hell are you doing at this point? We're this far into the season. You've been hearing the promos. You've been hearing how fun it is. It's really fun. And if you really need that little kick in the keister, hundred dollar deposit match going on right now. Promo code Underworld. New user. Put your hundred dollars into Underdog Fantasy. Promo code underworld, you get another hundred dollars back. Now you've got two hundred dollars to work with, and that's because Underdog is so confident that you're going to enjoy the product. It is there is nothing else like it out there. It is the best place for summer best it is the best place for player props. There's just nothing like their smooth interface. It's so so clean on the phone. And as I talked about uh two weeks ago on the show, in terms of player prop strategy, I'm still working on that player prop guide. I just Have a lot of projects going on. I can only do so much at once. There's only so many hours in the week. I'm still working on it. I didn't forget about that. But one thing I talked about two weeks ago was you should be playing a quarterback, their receiver, the other quarterback in the game, and that other quarterback's receiver as a pick four in pick'em on underdog and just take the under on all four of them. So what I did last night, actually, I went to Sunday Night Football. I drove up to SoFi Stadium to catch the Rams-Titans game. It ended up being a terrible game. And what I did is, right before the game started, I just pulled up the underdog app, took the under on Tannehill's pass yards, took the under on A.J. Brown's receiving yards, the under on Stafford's passing yards, and the under on Cooper Cup's receiving yards. Four correlated unders. You get it right, you 10x your money. I've, I've run the numbers. I've checked out the history of these game logs. I've done that hard work for you. And I'm here to let you know that more than 10% of the time, those four unders are going to hit. And if you 10 X your money, when you get it right, you just need more than 10% of the time, more than one in 10 tries for you to hit that. So if one in nine times, the four unders hit, you're now profitable. Can't you imagine that one in nine games is just going to be a little low scoring and low Pass yards across the board compared to what you expected. If that happens a little better than 1 in 10, if that happens 1 in 9, 1 in 8, 1 in 7 games, well, congratulations. You just 10x your money on underdog with your pick four. It's that simple. I do a lot of other different bets as well on underdog, and that's going to be kind of in the article talking about okay, maybe you don't just want to take four unders and call it a day. You want more thought into it. You want to understand better the, the math behind it. Great. I can help you understand the different types of bets that you can place to make money on underdog but a good place to start is the QB QB receiver receiver in a game and just take those four unders and you might say well Josh, you're you're a, you're a party pooper i really like high scoring games funny enough <laughs> whoa i like high scoring games too That's why i play dfs dfs helps me root for the shootouts and if the shootout isn't hitting then i've got player props where i'm just taking my unders the best of both worlds. We've got Wheeler in the chat. Hello, Wheeler. I've got to say, Wheeler is one of the people that has supported me from day one. There were a lot of uh, large Twitter accounts, people that had been in the fantasy football industry for years when I started kind of emerging from the the coding cave. And I will always have the the utmost gratitude towards the larger figures in this space that embraced me before I was more well-known and said, you know what, You may be newer to the the fantasy football spotlight, however we like the type of work you're doing, and I'll always appreciate that, and it's one thing that I've tried to do as well, where recognizing that everyone starts somewhere, and that if we want to make this as merit-based as possible of an industry, then we need to lift up the newer figures in it that we believe are doing good work. So, thank you, Wheeler. Alright, so let's discuss intentionality now with DFS, and trying to frame a problem in a way that's conducive to finding a solution. Now that's like, you might say, oh, try to frame a problem in a way that's conducive to finding a solution. All right, Socrates. Well, let's get into an example. We'll, we'll break this one down slowly and then hopefully you can kind of understand what I might mean by that. So last year, my DFS analysis was, was more player centric. Sure. I'm stacking quarterbacks. I've got my quarterback, I stack him with a receiver, I run it back with a player on the other team, but I often tried to force heavy exposure to certain players I believed were primed for a big week. And overall, last year was a strong DFS year for me, but I wanted to continue to make improvements to my game. And the more research that I did on stacking this past summer, the more I began to think about correlation in DFS. And for those of you that weren't following my summer stacking work, I'll make this uh, this a little quick recap. So an example that I would commonly use over the summer because I'm a Charger fan and because they're a fun team to watch, they're very pass heavy. I don't know if you heard, but uh, Brandon Staley is the most fun head coach to to watch in the NFL right now. So a common example that I would use is Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. You're in your fantasy draft in the summer and you take Keenan Allen in the third round of your fantasy draft. And then a lot of people would go, all right, I took Keenan Allen. I I cannot take Justin Herbert. There's so much risk there. I don't want to have too many Chargers. What if the what if the Chargers have a bad season offensively? Okay, we'll run that thought experiment. Say that you just drafted Keenan Allen in the third round and the Chargers have a bad year offensively. You're already very unlikely to finish first in your league and take all the money in a 12-team league if your third-round pick busts. Sorry. But if Keenan Allen does pay off third-round ADP, and he is a high-end wide receiver one or mid-tier wide receiver one, he's very consistent, well then there's a really good chance Justin Herbert also has a good year. So rather than avoiding two Chargers, why not say, oh, I'm going to lean into this, and rather than placing player-centric bets, I'll place a team bet and say, I'm taking Keenan Allen in the third round because I like the Chargers offense, and I'm going to pair him with Justin Herbert in the seventh round because, again, I like the Chargers offense. These QB receiver duos are almost always correlated. And last year in DFS, I was still targeting games by stacking my quarterback. So if I had Herbert in my DFS lineup, I often had Keenan Allen in there as well. And I'd often tilt my exposure heavily in the direction of Keenan Allen rather than Mike Williams if I thought it was likely going to be a Keenan Allen week. I was only playing about 20 different lineups each week in DFS last year, which is much lower volume than I do now. And with lower volume, I tried to really narrow down my player pool, and I'd worked to identify 5-8 to eight players that I thought had the highest ceilings of the week. This year, I started entering 150 max tournaments more often, where I'm creating 150 lineups for a contest. With the switch to higher volume, I shifted my DFS strategy towards game-centric analysis, and shifted further away from player-centric analysis. Now... This doesn't mean that I ignore players I view as having incredible upside for a given week. But with 150 lineups, I figured I have a lot more shots on goal, more chances to score. And I don't believe that the 150 lineup strategy ever needs to be quite as catered to player-centric analysis as when I was entering the 20 best lineups I could possibly create. When shifting to higher volume, I had to reframe my mindset with regard to DFS. I no longer have to make as concerted of an effort to jam those best players in my lineups. With 150 lineups, I can prepare for the Keenan Allen game while also setting myself up for success if it's a Mike Williams game. The big switch in mindset was focusing even further on games to target. With 150 lineups, it's really unlikely, unless I'm truly terrible at DFS, which I I hope not, and I, I really don't think I am. If you think I am, please roast me in the comments. I'll look at them later and then uh, I can go cry during Monday Night Football. But with 150 lineups, in all seriousness, it's very unlikely I'm going to whiff on all the best players. Most likely, I'll have lineups filled with the top five running backs and the top five receivers of the week. I mostly have to make sure that in those lineups where I do hit on some of the good running backs or the good receivers, you think, okay, well, I just want to make sure the rest of my lineup is solid enough That way when a few of my 150 lineups end up hitting on those best players of the week that everything else comes together. And the way that I've worked to do that even better this year is by trying to limit how many games I'm targeting in different lineups through secondary correlation. If I believe that if I'm looking at week 10, there's the Chargers Vikings game. If I think that's going to be high scoring, I'm going to have a lot of different combinations of Herbert stacks and then a lot of different combinations of Vikings bring backs. Maybe I have the Justin Herbert Keenan Allen lineup, or I have the Herbert Mike Williams lineup or the Herbert Eckler lineup. And some of those will have Dalvin Cook in them. Some of those lineups i will have Justin Jefferson. Others I might have Adam Thielen as the runback, but there's still several spots left to fill in my DFS lineup. And as I try to frame my strategy more and more around games to target, I like to place bets on two to three games for a large portion of my lineup. And the thought experiment goes like this. So if we w- if we look to week 10, there's 11 games on the slate. Say I believe Chargers-Vikings is going to be very high scoring. Sure, I can put Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Dalvin Cook in my DFS lineup to capture that this game will be high scoring. And if there's a lot of touchdowns, I think Herbert throws a couple, Allen catches one, Dalvin Cook might run for a touchdown, have some targets, have a lot of rush yards. Okay, but now... How do I fill out the other running back slot, the two other receiver slots, the tight end spot, the flex spot? If I then turn my strategy purely into picking the best players, I need to go 5 for 5 on the other main players in my lineup to hit. And that's really daunting. Picking 5 players from other games that all go off in week 10 while staying under the DFS salary constraint, it's almost certainly... A losing battle when framed that way. Let's think about week nine. It just happened. For DFS, what if, what if uh, yesterday I put all my eggs in the Stefan Diggs basket? Stefan Diggs has an elite target share. He was going up against the Jacksonville Jaguar secondary. Oh, he was going to smash until he didn't. And then what if I really liked Jamar Chase in week nine? And Christian McCaffrey and Adam Thielen and Tyreek Hill on the surface. They all sounded like great plays for week nine. So why not just throw them in most of my lineups? Well, I mean, looking at hindsight. None of those guys hit by the way. But uh, the issue is that if we're plucking players from random games to round out our lineup, we aren't doing ourselves any favors. Say that the Vikings Ravens game shoots out yesterday like it did. Say Adam Thielen has a big week. There's now an increased probability that overall game has a lot of points in it. So there's a greater chance that, uh, maybe on the other end of the game that Marquise Brown also has a big game. So if we look at that Vikings Ravens game from week 9, Thielen, let's say he had let's see he happened to have a big game. He I know he didn't, but if he did, there's a good there's a a good chance Marquise Brown or Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews has a good game. It's definitely more likely at least if Thielen's having a good game. Okay, say Thielen has a really good game. Does that affect Tyreek Hill in the Chiefs Packers game? If Thielen has a good game, does that lower or raise the probability of Tyreek Hill having a good game? Or are those two completely independent acts? Those are just totally different. So now that we're kind of in that mindset, let's look ahead to week 10 again. Say that I start my lineup with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Dalvin Cook, because Chargers Vikings is going to be high scoring in week 10. I can just feel it. Maybe I similarly say now that, oh, I like the look of that Falcons-Cowboys game. I think that's going to be high scoring as well. That's another game I'm willing to place a bet on. So, on top of my Herbert-Allen-Cook game stack, I might also have Kyle Pitts, Ezekiel Elliott, and CeeDee Lamb in my Herbert lineup. Now, I'm placing bets on two games to be high-scoring. Chargers-Vikings and Falcons-Cowboys. With 150 lineups to burn, if 20 of those lineups place bets on both the Chargers-Vikings and the Falcons-Cowboys games to be high-scoring... I can start to cycle through a lot of different lineup combinations with these two games heavily involved. I may have the Herbert, Mike Williams, Jared Cook lineup with a Thielen run back, and then I'd have Cordero Patterson, CeeDee Lamb, Russell Gage from that Falcons-Cowboys game. There's so many different combinations. I can cycle through a lot of them. And after having three players from Chargers-Vikings and three players from Falcons-Cowboys, if I look at my lineup now for DFS, I would notice, wow, there's only two positions left to fill and a defense. So I only have to pick two more position players and a defense? That's a much less intimidating thought experiment to try to get a receiver and a flex spot correct, assuming I can guess two games with a lot of touchdowns, rather than try to fill out two running back slots, two receiver slots, a tight end slot, a defense, all with high scoring non-correlated players. I tried to reframe the way I think about DFS and to find a solution catered toward higher volume DFS play. And... This is not to say you can't play 10 lineups a week and then bet heavily on two or three games. You can't, but it's important to be aware of what you know and what you don't know. I'm more likely to know which games are high scoring in a given week than to know exactly which six players will finish top three at the running back and receiver positions. And the way that I thought about it was with higher volume, I'm more confident that those six players that are the highest scoring at the, those top three RBs, top three receivers I'm more confident that a good chunk of those six players will ultimately make it into my lineups. So now I can turn toward correlating my lineups to make sure I have a higher probability of capitalizing on it and turning a profit when I do guess several of those players correctly. With lower volume DFS, I had to be even more aware of game theory and which players I wanted to place bets on. And again, the game theory aspect, predicting how often a player is going to show up in other people's lineups, awareness of how different players score their fantasy points, that's all really important. But I decided to make those factors a little less important overall for my DFS work this year, and to try and target a few key shootouts with each constructed DFS lineup. Alright, so week 10, we've got four teams on by. we got the Bears, the Bengals, the Texans, and the Giants, so... In terms of DFS, yeah, I, I love Daniel Jones, as I've said before. Burrows, uh, it's been a pretty good DFS play this year too. So we lost those two. The Bears and Texans—it's not the, not the worst two teams to lose. Anyway, let's start with the the quarterbacks on DraftKings. We've got Kyler Murray at the top. He's eight thousand dollars against Carolina. Not super interested in him. I just Kyler Murray, when he's hampered by injury, has just not been a strong fantasy asset throughout his career. But I do think this is a high-end quarterback kind of week. There's just actually a lot of good plays across the board. Guys that are just teed up to smash in their matchup. I like Josh Allen, 7,900 at the Jets. You know he's going to want to redeem himself for losing to the Jaguars this past week. We've got, we got Tom Brady, 7,600 at Washington. Always Tom Brady week. Just Tom Brady double stacks, take him to the bank. Justin Herbert, 7,300 versus Minnesota. Dak Prescott, 6,900 versus Atlanta. Russell Wilson's coming back, finally. One of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. He's back this week. It's exciting. He's at Green Bay. He's only 6,700. Matt Ryan, 6,000 at Dallas. Matt Ryan's looked really good recently. And if the season were to end today, funny enough, the Falcons would be in the playoffs. So maybe they have something to play for after all. Wentz, 5,900 versus Jacksonville. Carson Wentz has been a really strong fantasy asset of late. Did you know that four of his past five games he's had over 20 DraftKings points? He's only 5,900 versus Jacksonville. And then Taysom Hill, if he ends up starting, 5,200 at Tennessee. FanDuel, Josh Allen's most expensive there, 8,700 at the Jets. And then Russell Wilson is 7,500 at Green Bay. And Russell Wilson is the ninth most expensive quarterback on FanDuel. He's way down there. Running back. Just like quarterback, there's a lot of strong running back options with high ceilings this week. Here's my favorites. McCaffrey, 8,400 at the Cardinals. I cannot believe we're getting mid $8,000 McCaffrey when he already showed us that he can make it through a game healthy. The the workload is just outrageous. Definitely playing a lot of McCaffrey this week. Jonathan Taylor in another smash spot. He had the Jets. He ran for 200 yards against him. Now he gets Jacksonville at 8,100. Going to be playing some Taylor. Dalvin Cook, another guy just in a perfect matchup. Dalvin Cook at the Chargers. They've struggled against running backs this year. Najee Harris, 7,900 against Detroit. Another team that's really struggled against running backs this year. Austin Eckler, 7,600 versus Minnesota. Every week can be Austin Eckler week, especially with those Herbert stacks. Nick Chubb, another guy with good matchup, 7,400 at the Patriots. Zeke, 7,000 versus Atlanta if Aaron Rodgers plays this week then Aaron Jones 6900 versus Seattle very tempting DeAndre Swift is back under 7000 again 6800 at Pittsburgh Cordell Patterson he Cordell Patterson had himself a game yesterday let me pull up the the stat line for him I couldn't believe it Cordell Patterson he had 9 rush attempts for 10 yards eh, but 6 targets 6 catches 126 yards Cordell Patterson's basically a high-volume wide receiver masquerading as a running back for DFS, and I'm here for it. So Cordell Patterson, 6,600 at Dallas. And then uh Cal Fournette, only 6,100 at Washington. FanDuel. Najee Harris is actually at the top of that one. Najee Harris is 9,400 versus Detroit, which is crazy. Could you picture a world where McCaffrey's 9,000 to Arizona... Where McCaffrey is less expensive than Najee Harris. This is the world we're in today. Sam Darnold's terrible. He's taking the team down with him, and McCaffrey's price is falling because of it. Now, as you know, I my stance on Darnold is clear. I do not think he's a good quarterback. Is he allowed to have another good game at some point this year, and McCaffrey can just crush in DFS? Yes, that is allowed. Dalvin Cook 8,500 at the Chargers. Chubb 8,300 at the Patriots. See, DraftKings, FanDuel, there are a lot of good high-end running backs. Fournette, 7,400 at Washington. Swift, 7,300 at Pittsburgh. You want to live in this higher-end running back zone this week, I think. Seems like that's really... There's not a lot of good, inexpensive options at running back this week. Receiver, DraftKings at the top. Devontae Adams, 7,900 versus Seattle. I mean, Love isn't at quarterback fade. If Rodgers is at quarterback versus Seattle in that bad secondary, going to be playing a good amount at Devontae Adams at 7,900. A.J. Brown is 7,800 versus New Orleans. I know A.J. Brown didn't get there necessarily yesterday for showdown against the Rams. It was weird game script, but A.J. Brown now has 11 targets in back-to-back weeks. Two of his last three weeks were 30 or more DraftKings points. Godwin's another one I like, 7,100 at Washington. From what I have heard, Antonio Brown is still in a walking boot. Probably not going to play this week. So Godwin's 7,100 at Washington, and then Mike Evans, 6,900. Godwin Evans just looking delicious as usual. And then another good pair is Metcalf Lockett. Just pick one for your Russ stacks. Metcalf 6,800, Lockett 6,500. Those look kind of like Geno Smith prices. So very palatable with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Another guy that's been just super consistent, showing the high ceiling this year. It's Michael Pittman, 6,300 against Jacksonville. They're not going to be able to cover him. And I hope that Jacksonville... Limiting the Bills to six points yesterday suppresses how many people play Pittman in week 10. Uh, Speaking of the Bills, actually, the Bills duo, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley at 5,700 and 5,200 are just always good receivers to cram your lineups where they can easily get you 20, 25 fantasy points in the 5K range. If you want to pay up at running back, but you still want 20 plus point upside at receiver, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley are really strong options. Most weeks, one of the two of them has a big game. Who's it going to be in week 10? I'll play some of both. Uh, another guy that's kind of in that lower price range. You want to pay up at running back, save money on receiver. Michael Gallup is going to be a full practice participant this week. Seems like all systems are a go. He's going to be playing in that Atlanta game. Michael Gallup is down at 4000 And we know what he can do in fantasy. So $4,000, you're getting access to one of the best, if not the best, offense in the NFL. A guy that's going to be running routes on almost every single snap. Michael Gallup, 4,000. Then MVS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. 3,500 versus Seattle. If Aaron Rodgers plays 3,500, it's a great way to pay down at receiver and once again get the 20-plus point upside out of MVS. And because Antonio Brown's probably not going to play, that means Tyler Johnson will once again be the number three receiver. He'll be out there a lot. Tyler Johnson at Washington, they still haven't priced him up. Tyler Johnson still only... $3,300. $3,300. And you might go, well, what what did he do in Antonio Brown's absence? Well, his last game before the bye, he had six targets, five catches, 65 yards. And let's say that he got in the end zone. That would be 17.5 fantasy points if he scored in that game. Even though he didn't score when he's 3K, putting up 11.5 fantasy points, he could still help you get there in a tournament. Tyler Johnson, 3300 on FanDuel. Devontae Adams is at the top there, 8700 against Seattle. I like A.J. Brown as well on FanDuel. He's 7,600 versus New Orleans. So he was the, the second most expensive receiver on DraftKings. A.J. Brown is the sixth most expensive receiver on FanDuel. Big play touchdown score almost fits the FanDuel mold of half PPR scoring better than the PPR platform with yardage bonuses of DraftKings. On FanDuel, I also uh Mike Evans, 7,400. Lockett, 7,100. Gallup's a good play there, 5,500. MVS, 5,300. Tyler Johnson, 5,100. The band is back together. There's similar players in that lower priced range that I like on both platforms. Tight end, DraftKings. Kyle Pitts, 5,800 at Dallas. He's at the top. This is his second time in three weeks where he's the number one most expensive tight end. He's a rookie. He looks incredible. Hawkinson, 5,500 at Pittsburgh. Oh, TJ Hawkinson. 31 targets his last three games. Nine or more targets in each game. Solid floor, high ceiling. Gronk, if he plays at Washington, my goodness, he's still down 4,400. He burned me two weeks ago before the bye. I played some Gronk. He was supposed to be limited. Took my chances on playing 3% exposure Gronk when no one played him. And he played, I think, five snaps and got injured. So what are you going to do? I'll probably go right back to the well if he plays because he has the legitimate 25-point upside at the tight end position and he's only 4,400. My favorite DFS tight end right now is Dan Arnold. They just refuse to increase his price. It's probably because he's on the Jaguars. Dan Arnold's 3,500. The last four games, 8, 5, 10, 7 targets. Also the last four games, 60 or more yards in three of those four games. Oh, Dan Arnold, 3,500. And then Tyler Conklin, 3,400. You want another pay down tight end? Last three games, five, seven, seven targets. Conklin, he's on the field. He's running the routes. He's getting real Wide receiver esque targets out there, and he's done well in in fantasy. And then you want your punt tight end of the week? Go all the way down to twenty six hundred at Green Bay. It's Gerald Everett. He gets Russell Wilson back. We know he's an athlete. It's a it's a strong offense. There's a good chance there's some touchdown passes, and Gerald Everett could very easily catch one or two of those against Green Bay on FanDuel. Pitts also the highest. Nice. He's sixty nine hundred at Dallas, and for some reason priced way down on FanDuel. Zach Ertz, 5,200 versus Carolina. That looks good to me. And then, uh, once again, Dan Arnold, 5,100 at Indy. And ends, they have just feasted on the Colts' zone coverage this year. So, got to make sure Dan Arnold's in your lineups. If you want a nice, cheap run back for your Wentz stacks, Dan Arnold, the, the sexiest part of the show. Here we go. Defense and special teams. On DraftKings, we've got the Steelers, 4,100 versus the Lions. They're at the top. Right below them, another defense that I think is a strong play. Steelers are probably going to have a good fantasy day. Bills, good chance to have a nice fantasy day. there. 4,000 at the Jets. Cardinals, 3,700 versus Carolina. We've seen Darnold implode recently. Matt Rule won't even commit that Darnold is guaranteed the starting job in Week 10. All signs point to the Cardinals' defense at 3,700 being an absolute smash. The Colts, 3,600 against Jacksonville. Worth a couple shots. And then if you want to go down, Seahawks 2,500 at Green Bay. If Jordan Love plays again, throw on on some Seahawks. And then on the other end of that Cardinals game, if Kyler Murray doesn't play, Panthers 2,400 at Arizona. I don't know if Colt McCoy's for real. He's probably not. I know he completed like 80% of his passes yesterday against the Niners, but there's a good chance that overall in a larger sample, Colt McCoy will prove to be not a very good starting quarterback, which is why he's a backup. So the Panthers 2,400 at Arizona. FanDuel, the Bills are at the top, 5,000. And then I like the Buccaneers on that platform. They're 4,400 at Washington. Hineke's just looked really bad recently. Atlanta at Dallas. It's a 52-point game total. Dallas is favored by nine points. I really like both sides of this one. It's two very strong offenses. Falcons, we know, are not the strongest of defenses. And then the Cowboys have a good defense for the most part. But it still resulted in a lot of fantasy points for the opposing offense. Because the Cowboys are very fast-paced, they generally score a lot of points. It makes the other team have to speed up and also score points. So I like both the Ryan and the Dak side in this one. Uh, A little bit more of a stinker. The Lions at the Steelers. Pretty low. uh, 43.5 game total. Steelers favored by 9.5. Probably going to play some Swift, some Deontay, some Najee Harris. A couple one-off plays. Maybe a little Claypool. A little Hawkinson. But overall, not really a game I'm looking to target. Heavily, just not a big fan of either of those quarterbacks. in DFS. Tampa Bay at Washington, 51 and a half game total. The football team, Washington, nine and a half point underdogs at home. And every week is Brady double stack week. If you want a fun one, you can just go Brady, pick two receivers, run it back with McLaurin. Very straightforward. New Orleans at the Titans. Very a surprisingly low game total, 44 and a half. Titans favored by three. We don't really know who the quarterback is going to be with the Saints. The Titans pass offense just really hasn't gotten it done most weeks this year. Not a game I'm going to aggressively target. Next, we have Jacksonville at the Colts. 47.5 game total. Colts favored by just over 10. And I really like Wentz. Like I said, he's under 6,000 on DraftKings, despite constantly putting up 23-25 fantasy points week after week. Very strong play. And Lawrence, he's a little hampered seems like he's going to play in this game. However, I don't have much interest in Lawrence this week for DFS because if he's hurt by this ankle injury and he's not moving around as much, it lowers his ceiling. It lowers his floor. Probably just going to stick to the Wentz side. We have the Browns at the Patriots. 45 and a half game total. The Patriots supposedly favored by just under a field goal. I was a little surprised about that. I would think the Browns would be favored, but the the rise and fall of the Browns, man. Despite having a good game this past week, they're the underdogs against the Patriots. and Mac Jones. Good for Mac Jones. 45 and a half game total. So it's kind of in, sort of in the middle. It's overall, it's not a super high scoring slate, but there's a few good games to target. This is not one of them, in my opinion. Next, we got Buffalo at the Jets. 48 point game total. Jets, 13 point underdogs at home. Going to be playing some Bills stacks this week, as I always do. Kind of capitalize on Josh Allen's really bad performance in week nine. By aggressively playing him in week 10, because I think that was, he just had a bad week. I don't think it was anything more than that. I don't really buy that every team now figured out the Bills and that they're done for. It's a very strong unit on offense. Going to be playing some Josh Allen stacks. And then we've got Carolina at the Arizona Cardinals. 44 and a half game total. The Cardinals favored by 10 points over the Panthers. Not a game I'm very interested in. I don't really like Kyler Murray if he's hurt. Colt McCoy, just not not the type of quarterback I'm generally playing too much of, these these journeymen backups. And then with the Panthers, I mean, Sam Darnold's just been such a train wreck. So, I think from that game, I'll probably play a couple pieces. Play some McCaffrey, maybe a little DJ Moore. Probably no Robbie Anderson. Then on the Cardinals side, uh, Christian Kirk's just had such a strong year. Going to be playing some of him. Going to play a little James Conner, I'm sure, this week. Chase Edmonds now out on IR with the high ankle sprain. But... A word of caution with James Conner is that uh, what, what he did this past week is almost guaranteed to be his highest scoring game of the year, and it's also in the Cardinals' best interest not to run Conner into the ground now that Edmonds is out for four, six weeks with the high ankle sprain. They're probably going to take it easy on Conner. I don't think he's just going to have 20 plus carries a week, five targets. Eno you know, Benjamin started to mix in there towards the end last week, and I think He's going to have a pretty healthy workload to keep both of them fresh going forward. Oh, I really like this game. Minnesota at the Chargers 52 point game total. Chargers favored by about a field goal. This is a game I'm going to stack both sides, especially the Herbert side. Not too much else to say about that. It's a Because there's several other high scoring potential games on this slate, you don't really need to go too all in on a game. But if there's a game where I'm going to double stack and possibly double run back, it could be this one. You could go Herbert, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook. Run it back with Dalvin Cook and Thielen. Something like that. I think that's viable. Uh, Maybe you go Eckler, Mike Williams. Run it back with Conklin and Jefferson. A A lot of different ways you can really onslaught this one if you so choose. And then we have Philly at Denver. 45 point game total. Denver favored by just under a field goal. Not the most exciting game on the slate. Jalen Hurts has really come back to life. The fourth quarter antics for fantasy have started to subside, and he's left with kind of a lower floor than a lot of us, myself included, would like from him. And then the final game, I like this one, especially if Rodgers plays. Seattle at the Packers, 49.5 game total. Packers favored by just under seven. It's looking like five and a half from what I saw. And I'm not very interested in playing Rodgers. I know it's a terrible defense with the Seahawks, but like I've said before, Aaron Rodgers, he's not mobile, and he's a very slow-paced uh, quarterback the way he calls the games the way he runs the plays very hard for him to get there in dfs but on the other end russell wilson is so efficient he's very mobile very excited for him to be back in action he's medically cleared going to be playing a good amount of russell wilson whether or not jordan love plays but especially if rogers is playing and jordan love is finally out of there we'll be playing even more russell wilson now let me get you out of there with a hot take. I've been on a roll. So two weeks ago, I had the Fields hot take. That one looked pretty good. Uh, for this past week, I said that Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, Tyler Conklin was a great way to start your DFS lineup. I believe that trio combined for nearly sixty points. Didn't eat up a lot of salary, so not quite as good of a hit as calling the Fields breakout game. But I will take that this week. One thing I so one thing I noticed was that let's let's talk Dalvin Cook. He has not been an elite fantasy producer this year. He had the injury, and through six games, Dalvin Cook has 115 carries and 23 targets, yet only two touchdowns. He's in a pretty high-scoring offense with two touchdowns in six games. And I think that against a struggling Chargers defense that is just begging teams to run the ball against them, Dalvin Cook's going to experience some positive TD regression, 35 fantasy points for Dalvin Cook in Week 10.